Labor Day may be the unofficial end of summer, but it's the official start of the hot and heavy campaign season with just weeks to go before the midterms. We have a status report on all of our top local political races. Plus, what did we learn from the arrival of sports betting in Kansas this week? And if you're waiting for pot to be legalized, hold your horses. We track the new effort to block marijuana from appearing on the Missouri ballot. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Thank you for joining us on this holiday weekend as we pick apart the week's most impactful local news stories, rolling up their sleeves this half hour to dissect the headlines from the call newspaper. Eric Wesson from KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling, and KMBC 9 chief political analyst, Michael Mahoney. Now, legalized sports betting officially began in Kansas this week. Mayor Quinton Lucas took to Twitter to congratulate Kansans and to tell them to enjoy all that extra cash, money he says their neighbors to the east won't get to see. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly also in town as the first bets were placed. We've been talking about this for a long time, so I'm glad that not only did we finally get it legalized here in the state of Kansas, uh, but that an incredible team of people has made this turnaround from bill signing to an action faster than any state has ever done. By the way, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly placed the first legal sports bet, a $15 wager, on the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Now, was the opening of sports betting in Kansas the equivalent of, like, a new Whataburger store opening, Pete? <laughs> that people were camped out there, you know, days in advance, lines miles long to get in, or did they sort of land with a thud? Well, it looked uh, pretty empty as of Thursday morning when all the TV stations were out there. But I'm most disappointed in Governor Kelly's bet. Can we get a five-team parlay to start this thing off? I mean, that is so generic, a bet on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. It's nice. It's great. I would have liked a little more, uh, you know, creativity on the first bet ever in Kansas. Well, she was upset she couldn't actually vote on herself to win the governor's <laughs> race against Eric Schmidt. That bet wasn't going to be placed there, Michael. The bet she should have made would, would have been a political bet, and that political bet okay. should, should have been... University of Missouri played their first football game last uh, last Thursday night. She should have bet against Mizzou and and taken the points, and she would have pleased every Kansas uh, sports fan in her entire state. That would have gained her some votes. You, you know, um, there are certain issues, and we've had viewers who for years have always asked me about what's happening with sports betting, what's happening in sports betting on both states. But in the enthusiasm area, uh, Eric, you know, how many people were interested in your world to say, I'm going to go over to Kansas to start sports betting this week? Uh, not very many. Uh, most be basically, it's no games this weekend. So maybe if the Chiefs were playing, or maybe if the Royals were above 500, maybe that would kind of spark some interest in it. But for right now, uh, people aren't excited about it. One of the interesting things, though, is I was watching some of the news stories, and people were against it because of people with gambling addictions. And the funny thing was they reported the story in front of the casino 
over in Kansas City, Kansas. So I just like, well, what's the difference between betting in a casino and betting online? Let's remember this is also going to be uh, heavily taxed in the state of Kansas. And most of the money, by the way, is going to go to this new sports fund to try and attract a professional sports team to Kansas, Dave. So can we announce on this week's program that the NBA is now coming to Johnson County no. and that the Chiefs of the Royals are actually moving to the legends no, in Wyoming County? That. And by the way, Kansas is not heavily taxing gaming. Other states tax it at 30, 40 percent, Kansas at a 10 percent rate. Uh, so there's not a lot of money involved here, Nick, and the five or six million dollars projected that will be available to lure a team to Kansas isn't a lot of money. You're not, you can't build a new stadium with five million dollars a year. Uh, one other note, I think, on gambling, though, one of the reasons there wasn't quite the excitement you would expect at the casinos is the, the game is online. It's not really, there'll be an effort to try to convince people to go to place bets. Kiosks might eventually be available in places where you could just go up and place a sports bet. But I think the phone is where they expect the action to be. The, the other thing is th this past la week has been a soft opening. The, the real hard opening, Eric uh, mentioned this, will be next week when the NFL season opens, opens in full bloom. And then the other thing is uh, uh, that sports betting is not a big element of the professional gaming world. I mean, it's there, but, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not and you have to make be or break. In, and you have to be in Kansas to place your bets, so it isn't like the people in Ohio are going to be betting through Kansas. How much demand there is for wagering in Kansas will be interesting to see. But, but all that said, how much of a feather in the cap is this for Laura Kelly, Pete Mundo? I mean, she runs for re-election, which is really only about 10 weeks away now. It's nice. I think that this is something that the majority of Kansans agree with across the aisle, but uh, this does not get anybody off the couch to the polls. It does not sway somebody who has been upset with some of our other policies to vote for her. I think people appreciate they have the option to do it, but it, there's no base of, of sports gamblers that rev up to go vote. So uh, it's nice. People agree with it, but it's not changing the equation come November. Add, though, to that, you have the Panasonic plant, $4 billion plant coming to Kansas, beating out Oklahoma to do that. That's another feather in her cap. The abortion issue has given a new momentum. Is that enough to propel her to another four years in Topeka? <laughs> well, I bet that in, <laughs> in the end yeah, well, that, she, <laughs> yeah. that she says something about it helps the economy. And every little bit of money that you get, regardless of what the taxation is on it, every little bit of money helps. So I bet she comes up with some commercials bragging about them having sports betting there in Kansas and drawing people from Missouri over there to lose money or win money. Now, over the weekend, we learned that actually conservative Senator Dennis Pyle will also be on the ballot in Kansas. He's running as an independent candidate. How does Pyle's candidacy alter the dynamics of this race, if at all, Michael? It takes votes away potentially from Derek Schmidt. It, it, it probably has no impact whatsoever on the Laura Kelly campaign because uh, Senator Pyle is going to be running as a conservative independent. We just saw a couple of weeks ago the conservative independent in uh, the Missouri Senate race drop out because his campaign collapsed when Eric Greitens collapsed. It will be interesting to see uh, the degree to what, if any, uh, the Pyle campaign affects the Derek Schmidt campaign. Look for the Schmidt campaign to really pound on a couple of issues, education being one of them, uh, the economy being another one, and 
just this past week, he brought out uh, a, a transgender sports ban and put that on the table as well. That's something that Governor, Vito, uh, Governor Kelly vetoed twice, once in the last uh, couple of sessions. Uh, that is an issue that uh, draws some interesting opinions across the spe uh, political spectrum, and he's going to bring that out as well. Pete. Well, I think that Senator Pyle is, is I don't get his play here. He said on my show that uh, he doesn't think someone as conservative as him could win a general as a Republican because of Chris Kobach in 2018, which really doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, it feels like this is petty inside Topeka politics. Um, and the best person, the person who can be his best friend here is actually Laura Kelly, Democratic PACs. Will they dump money into Dennis Pyle, too conservative, things like that, to bring him name ID? Uh, that, that could be Democrats and Democrat PACs could be his best friend here. And if it's only a couple of points between them, that could make a huge difference, Dave. Could make a difference. And the difference in this race, as opposed to, say, the John Wood candidacy, or even Greg Orman a couple of years ago, is uh, Dennis Pyle is way on the right. It's hard to see any voters that would go to him that would go to Laura Kelly were he not on the ballot. So it, Mike's right. It, it hurts uh, Derek Schmidt more. Let's keep in mind that for all the discussion around here, I think Laura Kelly's biggest argument is the chaos is over. And you've seen that in her advertising, mentioning Brownback and all the things that uh, remain in some voters' memories. And I think she's going to say, look, the budget is as healthy as it's ever been. The schools are fully financed. We're not in court every week. We do have gaming. We do have this new plan. I think that she's got an argument uh, for re-election. And don't forget the uh, tax on food. She can promote well, yeah, that as well. On that. That could <laughs> but that hasn't started yet, has it? That doesn't start until the until next year. The first yes. of 2023. Uh, if you thought we'd heard the last about abortion, think again. It's back in the headlines, this time on the Missouri side of our state line. It may have been just a symbolic move, but what a measure by the Jackson County Legislature to exempt themselves from Missouri's new abortion law went down in flames after several legislators abstained from voting this week, including Teresa Galvin, who's running against Frank White in this November's county leadership contest with abortion dividing the electorate. Was that the safest choice for her, or is that, that decision going to sink Galvin's campaign, Eric? I think it was a safe decision for her because Jackson County and people are so divided over the issue. So stay on the fence would probably help her. I don't think that she overcomes some of the other things that issues that she would have and mainly Frank White's name recognition. Even if you talk about the personal property taxes and those things, that name recognition is, goes a long way. And his statement when he came out saying that he you know, was surprised that nobody voted to support women in that situation. I just thought that was interesting. Now that we've had time to better absorb how the Supreme Court abortion decision is playing out politically, who is the candidate in our area most likely to benefit from that ruling? Is it Kansas Congresswoman Sharice Davids, who some say has now been thrown a lifeline, Pete? Yeah, she absolutely is a, a big benefactor from all this. Uh, you look at how value them both went down in flames in Kansas, and a lot of that was driven by Johnson County. The whole county is still in that third district. So uh, she's already, you've seen this a little bit, where she's rolling out some stuff, tying Amanda Atkins to being uh, on the value them both side, the yes side of value them both. So, uh, you know, that's something where you got to get people out to vote against something, not necessarily vote for you. And based on how that vote went down uh, just a few weeks ago, it seems like it's a no-brainer play for her. Still a bit of an uphill battle with the national uh, trends and headwinds she's facing, but it's one of her best cards that she can play today. But will issues like the economy, though, trump abortion in that district? Dave? Well, I think the uh, 
consensus wisdom a couple of weeks ago was yes, that the economy remains an important thing, inflation, gas prices, but we're seeing in other elections in other states where Democrats are bumped two or three points. The enthusiasm seems to be there because of abortion. That will help uh, Sharice Davids. Amanda Adkins is doing her best to try to, uh, you know, stand astride of this issue because she was a yes on value them both. But she did an op-ed in our newspaper sort of saying, look, I'm not in favor of a federal ban on abortion. It should be a state-level issue. Whether that will change many votes isn't clear. I don't think people really focus too much on that, you know, whether the state does it or Washington does it. The issue remains uh, uh, important in Johnson County and in the 3rd District. We just saw a little bit of a clip of it uh, in that little segment there, but we also saw Sharice Davids on MSNBC uh, talking nationally about how she was distancing herself from President Biden over his decision to uh, get rid of all of the loan debt, or at least $10,000 of it for students. Um, wh why which, is she... Which may not be a, 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 a bad play at all. A little bit surprising, I think, to people who don't follow this, but uh, the thought process and the dynamics behind the Biden loan uh, forgiveness pro uh, program is checkered, uh, to be uh, to be honest about it. I mean, you can make a case for it. Is it a major part of a family's debt? Mo most Americans, it is not. Um, we will see, uh, cer certainly, the, uh, the abortion question is helping Sharice Davids in what is now a, a toss-up race. Interestingly enough, this, last pa uh, this, this past week, Amanda Atkins and some other Republican uh, women candidates went down to the uh, Mexican border to see the uh, situation down there. The border and immigration issues and the economy are two of the issues that Atkins and most Republican candidates are running on this fall. Yeah, she, she interestingly, um, Amanda was on my show, and she sounds like she's running more against Joe Biden at mm -hmm. times than Sharice Davids, which is smart because Joe Biden's far less popular in the district than Sharice Davids is. I think even people that probably disagree with Sharice Davids don't have a strong opinion of against her either way. So it makes sense from that perspective. Uh, she is smart to distance herself from the student uh, bailout plan because that was in many ways a lifeline to Republicans running across the entire country. It, uh, it, just, just briefly. Nick, that's why I think you, you can talk to Republicans who are very upset that Donald Trump remains in the news. Because to the extent that he remains uh, above the fold or on Pete's show or on television or in Eric's paper, that distracts away from Joe Biden. And people remember why they were so frustrated with the Trump presidency in places like Johnson County where chaos was uh, routine. And uh, I think that if you ask Amanda Adkins or the people with her, uh, I think she would prefer that Donald Trump recede a little bit so that the focus could return to Joe Biden. But with the uh, student loan debt reduction, that appeals to young people. And that is something that would drive young voters out in a lot of cases. Young people and, with college debt, not all young people. Well, young people with college debt and young people with, that know other people that have college debt, too. You can tap into that group as well. And, and in addition to that, when we talk about the economy, gas prices are down. Now, if this was a situation where gas prices were $6 a gallon, I think Sharice Davis would have a lot more problems. Yeah. But they are going not. up again. And very quickly, 10 weeks is an eternity in politics. <laughs> yeah, We've got true. a long way to go, but it's also go, go fast. But a lot of things can happen. I want to pause from our agenda for a moment so I can respond to an unhappy viewer. Last week I heard from Eslin, who couldn't believe we didn't mention last week that the Kansas City Council had passed what she called an historic climate protection plan. Eslin, I am sorry. 
Dave Helling, what does this climate plan actually mean? And is it as historic and significant as its back is claimed? Well, it isn't the first time that Kansas City Council has tried to weigh in on this international issue. And there may be some changes at the margins going forward, and people will pay attention to it, Nick. But the actions of any individual city to deal with the uh, real effects of uh, uh, climate change are probably a drop in a very big bucket, and I think that's why there wasn't quite as much attention paid to it. Today. There was some concern at City Hall that it would also let off, um, you know, it would actually be the people least able to afford it who might be um, paying the most as a result of climate change policies in Kansas City, Missouri, perhaps having to pay more in utility bills. Yeah, and I, I, in addition to all of that, they're still trying to push the idea of solar, uh, utilities so that'll help some people and come up with some plans to help people with their electric bills and their gas bills but the water bills has nothing to do with it and that's where most people have their problems you know if climate though is such an important issue how come I don't see any campaign mailers coming from my door from candidates who actually even mention it it's all abortion gas prices Pelosi Trump other than Mike Kelly who's running for Johnson County Commission chair why is this barely mentioned on the campaign trail for instance how many voters will decide the US Senate race Michael Mahoney in Missouri based on Trudy Bush Valentine's views on the environment versus Eric Schmidt? None, on, uh, on either one. And uh, it's not that climate change is not an important issue. It is that climate change is not an important issue politically in Missouri or Kansas right now. Uh, while there are water issues, certainly, in central and west Kansas, there is nothing like the disaster that's going on in Jackson, yes. Mississippi, right now. And the, uh, the, the race up in Alaska, uh, where the Democrat uh, uh, defeated uh, uh, Sarah Palin, uh, Pelota, I believe is her, is her name, Climate change was, was an issue in that race where Alaskans see the impacts of this rapid, rapidly uh, growing situation with cli climate change on a daily basis in, in, in lots of different ways. Missourians and Kansans in this region, this region, haven't seen it. It's an important issue to a lot of them. They're concerned about it, but they don't see it. It's not in their pocketbooks in a direct way. Now, with lawsuits continuing over the Kansas abortion amendment, can we now expect a similar legal tangle over Missouri's new marijuana measure? A constitutional amendment legalizing pot is on the statewide ballot in November, but a new lawsuit has just been filed claiming it violates the state's single-subject rule for ballot amendments. The suit argues in addition to legalizing pot, it changes the state's criminal code by expunging the convictions of marijuana offenders. Is the single-subject rule, Dave Helling, really a thing and is this ballot amendment really that different than others that have been voted it, on over the years? It can be a thing, but uh, Missourians can remember, for example, the Clean Missouri changes, which had a lot of different uh, moving parts, and yet the court said, no, they're all sort of around this idea of uh, reforming government. So they may make a similar decision in the marijuana uh, amendment that's on the ballot. There is, however, much more significant opposition to this than I think even supporters expected to see. And that's coming not just from the right, but from the left, who are worried about the specifics of how marijuana would be uh, yeah. uh, available for recreation use. Well, I even saw Mayor Quinton Lucas said he was undecided on this question. I, I find that hard to believe. Right, because on the surface it sounds good, but when you read the fine print, it's not something that benefits the community, especially the black community like people thought it first. I think uh, State Representative uh, Ashley Manla Bland brought up an interesting point about equity. When you come into recreational places where you can buy weed at, 
or marijuana, I should say. Uh, Never heard that you, term. You're not having <laughs> you're not having black businesses in that. It's just like the medical marijuana. You got one in the whole entire state, and that's the one in St. Louis. So she was pushing back against it for that reason, and how some of the language is on how those convictions will go. So could marijuana still be halted at the ballot box in November? Yeah, it could be halted, and we're going to find out very quickly because uh, last Thursday there was a hearing in a Cole County court a room on this very lawsuit, and the judge in this case has to be making a decision here before I believe September 13th, which is going to be a week from Monday, right? Um, so we're, we're going to know on this um, pretty quickly whether or not it goes forward. The folks I'm talking to believe that the that it will stand, it will remain on the ballot. If it remains on the ballot, can you conceive of any way that that is not going to pass overwhelmingly on election day in November, Pete? Yes, is is still going to be the overwhelming favorite. You have a lot of libertarian Republicans yeah. who will certainly uh, vote yes on this. I still think yes is a heavy favorite. I do find it interesting the group that Eric mentioned coming out against it is really a progressive group. Um, they kind of went against the idea of capitalism in their argument. But if you look at the people who are involved on this, uh, they all have, uh, shall we say, stake in the current game, it's, it appears to be. So I just find that interesting that you come out anti-capitalism in your argument, but you may have some capitalistic gain for the no side winning here. And what happens on the Kansas side, if this really does happen in November, is not going to put the squeeze on uh, law enforcement and prosecutors in, in Johnson County and Wyandotte County to decide whether they're going to prosecute? Uh, even those folks from Kansas coming over and taking advantage the, the, of There this is new some drug. irony in the fact that what would be legal in Jackson County would get you thrown in jail in Johnson County. But that's typical, Nick. I don't think Kansas really has a taste for even medical marijuana. Colorado passed it. You don't see any enthusiasm really in Topeka for it. Even if Missouri proceeds, of course, it has medical marijuana. You don't see, and of course, Kansas remains a state that has not expanded Medicaid. It's very interesting to view the politics of the two states in our region and see why, why Kansas, for example, would approve gambling. Missouri won't, but Missouri does marijuana. Kansas won't. I think there are different dynamics in the two state capitals. I don't think marijuana rises to the top of the agenda in Kansas if Missouri votes yes. All right, so now we got it all lined up. Place your sports bet, go to back <laughs> to the Missouri side, and, you know, smoke some weed, as Eric said. All righty. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? The booster for your booster finally arrives in Kansas City on Tuesday. Will you take it? A Missouri school district making national news as it brings back spanking. The Chiefs announce a season-long tribute to the late Len Dawson. His number 16 will appear on players' helmets for the rest of the year. Five months after Nordstrom dropped its plans to move to the plaza, still no word on what will now fill that big hole. Some big anniversaries to celebrate this weekend. How about 20 years of Irish Fest? We're marking 25 years since the opening of the Jazz Museum. And this weekend, the Santa Caligon Days Festival marks its 50th birthday in Independence. And new life for something even older, the iconic Cat's Drugstore sign making its return. It'll anchor a new neon sign museum preparing to open downtown. Alrighty, Michael Mahoney, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? Yeah, surprise, surprise. The last big summer uh, weekend there, one of the cool things about Kansas City are these festivals, yes. including the Irish Festival. 
Point of disclosure, I'm on the uh, board for the Irish Center here. Come see us uh, down there, Santa Caligon and the Jazz Museum. A lot of things to do, and it's a good weekend to get out. And it's the Renaissance Festival, and, and Renaissance. people put on British accents there. It's just kind of a fun thing. Hello. Eric, what did you do? Absolutely. <laughs> I chose none of the above. Last week I had the opportunity to have a front page of the newspaper in which I highlighted homelessness, and I showed a bridge on 27th and Woodland. Uh, was a total mess and on Monday the city came out and took the, all the trash out. I, they probably had like 40 bags of trash out and they moved the homeless people from the south side of the street over to the north side of the street but have yet to address what they're going to do with homelessness in Kansas City and it's just widespread. My bet was that you were going to choose 25 years of the American Jazz Museum opening on Labor Day. Right, and I was going to choose that, but uh, Mahoney had already said should, it, and I we, needed yeah. to get this should, plug should, I know that, but should we worry about the American Jazz Museum? At the American Jazz Museum is in a good space right now, okay. and this will bring a lot of attention to it. Hopefully people will come down. I think Pat Jordan's got some events that are going to be taking place down there It's as just well. not getting as much attention as the Negro League Baseball Museum. Uh, nothing in Kansas City gets more, more attention than them, except for the Kansas City Museum. Pete All right, we'll tie it back to sports betting. I know these guys are worried, as am I, about the Chiefs, but we got college football starting this weekend. Mizzou, KU, K-State, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. All teams trending in the right direction. I'll give you two locks. KU over two and a half wins. K-State over six and a half wins. Those are free. All right, free bets for you. We're going to hold you accountable on those. Right. And if we I have viewers who end up losing a lot of money, we'll come back to you and we'll be giving you the, the cell phone number. All righty, Dave Helling. On Wednesday, Kansas City City Manager Brian Platt uh, sent a memo to the city council saying he is going to hire an ownership representative in the negotiations over downtown baseball, the World Cup renovations at Arrowhead, and whatever the Chiefs want to do. It's a significant moment because it escalates the discussion about what's going to happen with all of our franchises. The city is inserting itself into a process that's typically run by Jackson County, has been for half a century, and it's angered the city council because they feel like they didn't have a voice in the decision that uh, Platt has made. And it's interesting, bypassing the council on that, that has become a little bit of a trend with uh, Quinton Lucas well, right now, and it was happening on the housing issue, too. Now, late-breaking news, we're told that some council members have objected to the Platt contract, and if enough do so, five, four or more, mm -hmm. then the contract is held up and there will be a discussion of it, and that makes some sense. But I guess the point for our viewers, Nick, is the discussions surrounding the Truman Sports Complex, the World Cup, the Royals and the Chiefs are really going to accelerate over the la next couple of months. Look for something early next year that may end up on your ballot. And, uh, yes. and he did it. He sent the memo while the council was out because they don't come For back till at 930 at, at, at night. At 9.30 at night and told them they have five days to respond to it. All righty. We will continue that conversation on this program next week. On that, we will say our week has been reviewed thanks to Eric Wesson of The Call, Dave Helling of your Kansas City Star, 6 to 10 weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo and Channel 9's Michael Mahoney. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Have a safe and laborless holiday. Weekend, and don't forget, be well, keep calm, and carry on.